Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dan here, and we're here with another episode of our New Song LA Stories podcast. And today, we have the special privilege of having Pastor Q with us today. And Pastor Q is the founding pastor and founder and pastor of the Row Church, which our church partners with and actually kind of was sent off from our church um, in, in a way. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Q, why don't you introduce yourself for those that are newer to the church and haven't been around for a whole lot of years um, and maybe don't know you. Yeah. Well, um, my name is Pastor Q. Uh, it's actually Stephen Q. Jamawi. Um, and uh, I say that because if you Google it, then that's what you'll see. Sure. Um, and um, I am the co-founder, actually, of New Song LA. Yeah. Um, uh, had the initial vision to do this church uh, because I came from the music industry mm-hmm. and um, uh, and wanted to see a vision. I was uh, actually hired at New Song Irvine when New Song was in Irvine, currently now in Santa Ana, yep. but wanted to see a vision of New Song, but a different types of vision sure. um, in LA. Yeah. And we thought we would take hip hop, being that I was a hip hop artist, we take hip hop, mix it with passion mm-hmm. and see um, how it would create what kind of culture it would create yeah. in terms of uh, faith, right, in, in Los Angeles. But that didn't happen. The person we recruited was heavily gospel as opposed to hip-hop. And sure. So we mixed gospel and passion instead of gospel and hip-hop. Okay. And um, and that's what you have today. Yeah. I, I, I guess uh, I haven't been to no yeah, we, we still have a few elements of that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's probably uh, where you are now. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys were at New Song, you were at New Song Irvine. Yeah. And so what was the process of, first of all, I mean, you know, after New Song LA mm-hmm. was started, when did the seeds of the ministry or the idea of the row begin? Well, um, I used to live in Crenshaw mm-hmm. and New Song LA actually started in Crenshaw, right? right? Because that was the only place we could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's where we wanted the church to be, yeah. right? That was another thing, right? And um, and uh, I was living in Crenshaw at the time, uh, right um, in the jungles mm-hmm. and uh, or Baldwin Village. Yeah. And um, I moved to about three years, I think, after we started New Song L.A., I moved to downtown Los Angeles and would walk through Skid Row and at night and would just, just would look at the area and, and uh, had been to Skid Row. I knew about Skid Row. Uh, but now that I was living, I was living t- two blocks away from Skid Row, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, I just felt like the Lord was, uh, I need you to do the church with our walls right mm-hmm. here. I was like, so you want me to do a ministry? No, not a ministry. I want you to do the church with our walls. So you want me to do a church with our walls? No, the church with our walls. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, I felt like God wanted to have an expression of the church, but without walls uh, in Skid Row. And so it wasn't a ministry and then leave. Mm -hmm. It was stay. Yeah. Uh, So what does that that look like now to have a church without walls in terms, just logistically speaking, so that folks who haven't gone down to see what that's like, what does that look like on a a day that you gather folks together? So for the the past 16 years, right, uh, we 
we have service every Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we're not in a cipher anymore. Folks are sitting down, mm-hmm. right? It's outside. It, it, it's literally with our walls. Uh, and uh, we actually adapt to the environment that we're in. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Skid Row is predominantly African American. There mm-hmm. are other people, but the houseless population is maybe about seventy-five percent African Americans, uh, and so, or, or we say black folks. And so, um, we um, we believe in the theology, liberation theology. Mm-hmm. We believe in abolition theology, mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, we kind of follow in the tradition of um, um, uh, of Biddy Mason, Mama Biddy Mason, who was actually. Uh, co-founder or founder actually of First AME, the first African Methodist Episcopal Church mm-hmm. here in Los Angeles, right? right? And so um, we, we and it was right, we are on Fifth and Wall, mm-hmm. and um, uh, their church was on Wall, but a, a, a couple blocks up yeah. the original church. All of these things we didn't know until we were there. Sure. So um, it was God planted us and then began to reveal to us yeah. where we were and what, what, and what he has done. Yeah. In the past. So on a regular basis, like on a like on a typical Friday when you're run, gathering folks together, mm-hmm. um, how many folks are attending? How many people are gathering together yeah. to well, experience would, this? Well, you know, Lord revealed to me a while back that our church is a John the Baptist type of church, mm-hmm. or a Noah type ministry. Yeah. Um, in other words, uh, Skid Row is transient. Yep. Right. Right. Um, so we do have like folks who come every week. Sure. But. Um, I would say we're averaging between 25, um, could be less sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had 100 people, yeah. right? Uh, but um, the community, yeah. right, mm-hmm. is our parish. Yeah. So it's not just the people who come and sit down, it's yeah. the people while I'm on the mic who hear me down the street. Yep. Um, and, um, and going back to the Noah type ministry, uh, when Noah um, uh, <laughs> builds, right, he's building a boat or whatever it yeah. was he was building mm-hmm. 400 years, right, or a little over 100 years, and how many people uh, came to the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Eight people, yeah. and most of them were his family, yeah. right? So um, what the Lord taught me. Uh, on the streets, I call it street theology, right? What mm-hmm. he taught me on the streets was yeah. that uh, even though no and he got eight people, everybody that comes to the Lord on a mm-hmm. Friday night, um, Noah gets credit for mm. because without those eight people, none of us would be here, yeah. right? So even while I'm uh, leading people to the Lord, Noah is getting yeah. credit as well. So, yeah. um, and that's how our ministry kind of operates. Yeah. Um, I've had, we've had, um, CNN do a special on, on, on us, right? People come kind of like John the Baptist, what did you come see, mm-hmm. right? We've had, um, we, we've had a, a long reach. Uh, I'm involved in civic engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in City Hall. Um, I walk around Skid Row. People know who I am, past the queue. Um, and uh, we're involved in every aspect mm-hmm. of, of life in oh. uh, Skid Row and in Los Angeles. That's great. I do want to come back a little bit to the civic engagement uh, mm-hmm. question, but you also touched on something that that was interesting to me about how you learned when you were on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say, what are some of the ways that God has met you or that you've grown 
mm -hmm. um, personally, in your faith, since you began this ministry? Yeah. Well, I think that um, so many, right, uh, so many ways I've learned. I've learned a new way how to approach the Word of God. Mm -hmm. um, God has decolonized my theology. Mm -hmm. That happened on the streets. Um, he has stretched my perspective uh, because of some of the work that I do with clergy and lady united mm -hmm. for economic justice because mm -hmm. I've been bivocational right. for the past 16 years, sure. right? Um, I didn't get a salary at our church uh, until uh, a year ago I started getting, uh, two years ago I started getting $500 a month, I mean $1,000 a month, right? And then now $2,000 a month, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, even then, right? Because I, I work so I don't do this ministry because I want to be a someone who gets paid by the church. I do this ministry because um, um, because of my love for the people of Skid Row, but also um, for my love for Christ, mm -hmm. right? Which yeah. is uh, which is the prominent mm -hmm. thing. But what I've learned is um, I've learned that um, I've learned that I'll never stop learning. Hmm. I've learned that um, my theology. Uh, and what I came to Skid Row, it is not really, um, sometimes it may not be 100% accurate. Sure. Um, um, and so I've learned that uh, God is the quarterback and calls audibles mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and, um, and I've learned to love people in spite of who they are. Um, I've learned to love people because of who they are. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes we say in spite, but um, sometimes I've, I've and I've learned that I'm I'm not uh, I'm no different than some an unhoused folk per mm -hmm. person who's on the streets of Skid Row. Yeah, uh, we all we all we all have struggles. We all struggle with stuff, uh, but um, yeah, but, but most definitely um, I've learned I've learned to be uh, to be more uh, I would say more broken. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's important. I mean, that, that idea of embracing and understanding and recognizing our own brokenness, mm -hmm. um, that's a, it's an important part of the Christian faith, period. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, you're, for your six, 16 years, how mm -hmm. long, how many years has it been? 16, 16 years. 16 years um, being there. Um, how have the needs, I mean, or have they, how have the needs of the um, houseless community in Skid Row changed over this the, time? The needs have changed, but uh, the population has doubled hmm. since I've been there. That's how it has changed, hmm. right? Um, but most people don't understand the complexity of the issue yeah. um, of houselessness and um, and why Skid Row is uh, the way it is. Yeah, well, let's, let's get into that a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, a lot of people have you know, there's all kinds of stereotypes, right? right? People have misconceptions of what caused people mm -hmm. to um, no longer have a house to live in or have shelter to live right. in. Have, you know, some people say, well, people should just pull them up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get mm -hmm. to work, you know? And right. people have that sort of, you know, project that sort of judgment mm -hmm. or even project their own life circumstances mm -hmm. and say, well, I did it, so why can't somebody mm -hmm. else? And mm -hmm. obviously the issue is, very complicated. Mm -hmm. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the 
driving factors that you've learned or you've encountered mm-hmm. um, that have led someone to end up on the streets? Yeah. Well, you cannot understand an issue unless you understand the root of the issue. Mm-hmm. I will start with a story I norm I generally tell when I talk about homelessness okay. or houselessness. Sure. Right? We say we generally say houselessness because folks are home, uh, they have a community, uh, they just don't have a place, a house to live in. Yeah. During the Great Migration in 1940s, African Americans were released from chains and began to migrate north and west fleeing Jim Crow and uh, fleeing the KKK and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Ended up, many of them ended up in California in a place called South Central. Mm -hmm. In South Central, Central Avenue runs from deep down in South LA down to a place called Little Tokyo. Mm -hmm. At the same time, during World War II, that, that migration was happening um, hundreds of thousands of folks. The Japanese were interned, sent right. to internment camp unjustly. African Americans migrated down Central Avenue into Little Tokyo to occupy the buildings right. that were vacated mm-hmm. because we had a housing issue then. Right. Um, most people get uncomfortable when you talk about it, but it's the reality, right? African-Americans were left out of that, out of uh, um, out of physical slavery with nothing. So mm-hmm. they had to find housing. That will explain why 40% of the nation houseless population is black. Mm-hmm. 40% of California's popula- houseless population is black. 40% of Los Angeles popula- houseless population is black, and 75% of Skid Row's houseless population is black. Mm. That would explain that, yeah. right? Um, now that we got that out of the way, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, generally, 75% of people who are houseless are either houseless because of income inequality, mm-hmm. lack of housing, uh, which would be housing unaffordability mm-hmm. and housing unavailability. Yeah, those are the three main ones. The other thirty percent, you can have substance abuse and mental illness. However, mental substance abuse and mental illness can rise the longer somebody is on the street. Right, has to live on the street. Yeah. Now, prior to COVID nineteen, California in twenty eighteen went from the sixth largest economy in the world to the fifth largest economy in the world with the widest income gap between the rich and the poor. Yeah. Not just the poor, between the rich and the working poor. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So anytime people ask me, how do people get house and homeless? And I'm like, you already know. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried to rent an apartment? You know, yeah. right? Uh, you 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 know, it takes people can't live in California on minimum wage. Yeah. So that's why the work I do with clergy and lady United for Economic Justice. That's why we fought for fifteen dollars minimum wage years ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
and we began, it was in the hotels in downtown mm -hmm. Los Angeles. Yeah. So if you go to a hotel in downtown Los Angeles, none of those workers make less than 15, 36 an hour because we fought for that, yeah. right? And so um, we have to look at all of the undergirdings that actually destabilizes our communities, mm -hmm. and then we'll be able to address it. Yeah. Generally, what um, because our church uh, uh, or the the church the European church right uh, um, because we know you got European the influences of the church whether it's right. Roman whether it's the original church which which is you know mainly Jewish folks right Eastern Christianity I tell people is a Eastern religion right. Uh, but as it comes through the lenses of colonization, there are many things that we begin to pick up, mm -hmm. right? And so I think part of understanding God's heart is that we have to decolonize our minds. We have to decolonize ourselves and really approach it uh, so that we can remove the barriers that can stop us from loving people mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, and loving people just where they are. Right. And and truly trying to understand the complexities of the mm -hmm. issues that they're, they're yeah. dealing with. Yeah. So the complexities are, they run real deep, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you you brought up the issue of sort of the situation of economic disparity and poverty, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, which has its roots in in the story of race in America, mm -hmm. um, and um, of course other. I mean, there's. I mean, the, how the GI Bill was handled, you know, post-war, and African Americans didn't have access to the same sort of mm -hmm. um, housing loan kind mm -hmm. of situations that um, white soldiers came back from mm -hmm. the war with. Um, it, you know, the income disparity gives rise mm -hmm. to impoverished communities. Yeah. And so when we're thinking about, like, dealing with homelessness, I, you can go as far back as, mm -hmm. or trying to deal systemically, if mm -hmm. you're talking about a justice issue, right. deal with and, justice in yeah. that in right. that piece. Yeah. And I'd like to add, it's like a wave, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Because um, I haven't even dealt with deindustrialization. De sure. Right? Yeah. Some people say, um, everything is not about race. And I go, yes, it is. <laughs> in America, mm -hmm. everything is about race. It's all about race. When you, I, I, it doesn't matter what system you bring up, I can show you the inequities mm -hmm. in that system. Right. Right, because that's one of the things I learned from being a church without walls. Right, mm -hmm. that's one of the things I learned from being in spaces yeah. uh, and uh, and understanding people's struggle. Yeah. yeah, and you know the availability of of white collar jobs. I mean, mm -hmm. to live in. I think we all know it, right? They, mm -hmm. We're we're living in Southern California. It costs a lot to live here, and the housing costs are out of control. And there's not you know there's not a lot of low income housing, um, and. Um, but we can tackle, I mean, when we're thinking about caring about issues of homelessness, mm. sometimes, I'm, I'm just gonna project out there, sometimes for some of us it feels like that is such a big issue mm -hmm. with so many you know, tendrils yeah. into so many different areas. How do we even begin mm -hmm. to approach it? How do yeah. we begin to tackle it mm -hmm. um, in a way that doesn't feel, well, you know, like, like we're not making any progress, or mm -hmm. doesn't make doesn't make it feel like, you know, uh, I'm just doing this, but it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Like, I think number one is to understand, uh, is to learn, right? Is to be educated uh, about the issues by those who are on the ground doing the work mm -hmm. and understanding it, understanding that um, there are systems that we may need to abolish, mm -hmm. right, in yep. order to fix those issues, right, uh, um, and. We must also know that 
we've got to be able to uh, teach people how to live in the wilderness, mm -hmm. but we also have to learn how to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So it's both and, mm -hmm. right? It's systemic. You've got to deal with public policy because there are people making policies mm -hmm. that can affect tons of people, yeah. right? We can do mutual aid, right? right? We can give somebody a sandwich, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but uh, how about dealing with inequities, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's some of the things that we need to deal with yeah. in order to rectify and begin to mitigate the mm -hmm. issue. The fact that we don't have, we need about what the Harvard study said, we needed about 600,000 units of housing. That's how much we're behind in California in order to catch up. That's incredible, yeah. Right, and, uh, and because of, again, uh, because of predatory tactics, we got into the the uh, the, the, the 2000 uh, what was it 18 um, was it 2008 financial yeah, crisis that's right the housing right? bubble yeah um, and then they stopped building housing then because of that because the whole issue was housing mm -hmm. right and we already had housing issue even prior to that right right and so. Uh, it became uh, even more prominent mm -hmm. uh, at that time. And now we're behind the eight ball even more. Mm -hmm. So uh, in order to address it, we're going to have to uh, build housing. We're going to have to need, deal with nimbyism, not in my backyard, right? right? Uh, we're gonna have to deal with that. Um, we can find tons of scriptures where, you know, I, I think it's, it's it it would be it would baffle me for someone who claims to be a Christian to be NIMBY, right? Um, you need that person close to you so we can help uh, people. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, it's going to take um, all of uh, everything we have in order to address the issue. Um, building more housing. Uh, I don't think the the answer is more shelter. I'm not saying I'm opposed to them building any shelters at all, but I'm saying the answer is not more shelters. Uh, the answer is not tiny homes uh, where we create another class of people uh, like we did with the housing project and forget about people. No, we sure. need to bring people into our society um, and love our, our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we're going to continue to create these systems that continues to marginalize. Yeah, I totally see that. You know, you hear about those kinds of, you know, housing ideas and housing concepts and you know, it addresses one part of mm -hmm. things, for, for example, just having a physical shelter. Right. Exactly. But again, because justice and righteousness is mm -hmm. a system-wide issue, mm -hmm. it can create untended, or if you're cynical, intended consequences mm -hmm. um, that will have ramifications for generations Absolutely. to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that you brought up, I think that that's uh, help, what may be helpful for us to hear a little bit about is uh, given how big the issues are and how much really changing the issue requires a systemic approach, then what place does, like like, like you mentioned, handing out sandwiches or hygiene kits? Because it just feels like, like it's like a little tiny Band-Aid on something yeah. that yeah. doesn't make a huge difference. So what, what like, why is that still a, a value? Because people have to eat, right? Uh, during the pandemic, 
um, when the pandemic first happened, we didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and being in the church with our walls, we're able to be as flexible and move quickly, right? So uh, the, the mayor gave the order that uh, stay-at-home orders mm -hmm. uh, and um, except for, you know, frontline front workers and, and folks like that. We had to make a decision that week whether we were going to, uh, we knew we weren't going to have service where mm -hmm. people are sitting next to each other and all that other stuff and getting in people's face. But how does the church with our walls respond? Um, I got a call from one of our, com one of our community pa partners named uh, L.A. Can, Los Angeles Community Action Network. And they said, hey, Pastor Q, we're getting calls from folks and, and word that folks are coming from the freeways and different places to get food because all the people who generally pass out food are not coming out because mm. of the pandemic right. and whatever. Uh, and so um, are you going to have service uh, tonight? It was the first night. I said, um, and once they told me about the folks who were coming from the freeways, I said, well, we got we to gotta have service, right? We, we're not going to congregate and have a sermon or anything, but we're going to come out and we're going to feed people still and, mm -hmm. and do the things we need to do. So we partnered with uh, our community partners and started making, uh, actually, we started making um, hand uh, washing stations mm -hmm. and different things like that and yeah. um, where the city, city was falling short. We yeah. stepped in and did what we needed to do. We educated the people. And as a result, uh, uh, for, for two reasons, we had lower, way lower outbreaks on mm -hmm. the streets than um, in like inside of the missions. One is because it was outdoors, so you get sure. better circulation. But the other thing is that we educated people. Yeah. Um, we would, um, you know, we put on masks and when people got close, we'd be like, hey, you know, you, you might want to put this on, mm -hmm. right? And so we were able to to actually engage people That's great. on the ground. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's there's a mercy, you know, I think that the scriptures teach us to care about both sides. I think you kind of, you alluded to this before, mm -hmm. to kind of care about both sides of the equation, Absolutely. both the mercy and compassion side, right. which is to care of immediate <gasps> hunger, shelter, warm clothing yeah. needs, and then also to care about justice or righteousness yeah. in just society. Well, yeah, and, and uh, I mean, Lazarus died, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Jesus wept, even though Jesus is omniscient. He's all-knowing, right? Mm -hmm. He knew he was gonna raise Lazarus like yeah. in two or three minutes, Yeah, but he still wept, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because the moment requires us to have compassion, like mm -hmm. you said, yeah. and feel for yeah. for folks, and it's not something you. Jesus didn't weep because he knew he had to weep. He wept because he was hurt because yeah. folks were hurt. Yeah, and so yeah. Well, let's 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 shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the system. Mm -hmm. I know that you you are engaged in civic conversation and civic mm -hmm. discourse. Um, those, I mean, we're coming up on an election season again, mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, whether there's you know propositions or um, ballot measures, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we are, you know, we're just trying to sort through well, what does it mean to engage those things Christianly, mm -hmm. right? With a, you know, a thinking about the whole mission of the church mm -hmm. um, and what we're called to be and do. Um, what kinds? What kinds of um, civic issues today are things that you think that we should be aware of? Yeah. Well, 
I think when approaching civic issues, the, the paradigm uh, that I use is um, um, you could speak with the tongues of men and angels, right? Um, you could, sp you know, have spiritual language and all of that if you have not love, mm -hmm. right? You have nothing, right? Um, he's just making a bunch of noise, mm -hmm. right? So for me, the way I approach public policy is with the lenses of love and compassion, mm -hmm. right? And so how will this public policy affect others? So let's take uh, a policy like Measure A. Mm -hmm. um, measure A is uh, Measure A, A for accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, in, I believe it was 20, we've been working on it since 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. The Board of Supervisors of Los Angeles County, which are five people, um, and uh, they control the purse of the county. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were charged with creating a civilian oversight commission of the sheriff department. Right. The sheriff department, uh, back then, um, uh, Lee Baca, who just got out of jail this year. Yeah. Right? Um, and so they've had a lot of issues. Right. Um, there's Loyola reports right now, Loyola University reports right now. Uh, research that dates back to 50 years of gang activity in the sheriff department. Mm, yeah. uh, we hear from the families of uh, uh, Sister Helen Jones, whose son John Horton was beaten on on the 3,000 blocks by the 3,000 boys, mm. um, busted his spleen, ripped the art the cartilage in his back, in his neck, right, brutally beat him to death with a flashlight, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so when you hear the stories of these parents, you say, to whom much is given, much is required. If you've give, been given much power, then you should accept much responsibility, mm -hmm. right? And much accountability. Yeah. And so um, we worked with groups like Dignity and Power Now and other groups to actually have a voice in what the civilian oversight mm -hmm. would be composed of, what it would right. look like. We yeah. wanted uh, system-impacted folks in, uh, in as part of it, yeah. right? Um, and um, they, they didn't go for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were able to at least present some community yeah. people uh, that did get on the board of mm -hmm. uh, a civilian oversight board. And so when Villanueva, the current sheriff, came in, there was McDonald after him, and he was voted out because of his policies on uh, on ICE transfers. Sure. Uh, and then uh, the current sheriff, when he was voted in, he um, he the first act he did was actually hired uh, someone that his department had fired hmm. uh, for domestic violence against a female deputy. Uh, so when the first thing he did was he defied everything that had been done through investigations and everything, and he hired that person. The person actually was his driver on his campaign, right? So he rehired that individual. Uh, and when we uh, called him in to the Civilian Oversight Board to, to speak to that, to, to why would he do, uh, do that, his, he basically made up a story. Uh, and actually, he he defied a subpoena, right? I don't think we see we subpoenaed him on that issue, 
but we subpoenaed him on deputy gangs, mm-hmm. right? right? The Vikings and the Banditos and all of those gangs, the East LA gangs, deputy gangs. At first he said there weren't no gangs. Then he said, well, they're cliques, which is different than gangs. And uh, and then when he couldn't say anymore, he said he's done everything. Um, he's done what is necessary to weed out deputy gangs. but. The data doesn't show that, right? Sure, and, yeah. and the evidence doesn't show that. So, um, so with that, we tried to subpoena him. He he never showed up. The inspector general subpoenaed him. He didn't show up. Uh, he said, "I am actually um, not. I don't have to answer to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I answer to the attorney general of mm-hmm. the state. Yeah. I don't need to answer to people yeah. um, or or anybody else." And so that's why we we said, okay, we need to change the city charter. So in partnership with the ACLU and the Check the Sheriff Coalition, which I'm a part of, we uh, began to change. We worked on changing the city mm-hmm. charter and convincing the Board of Supervisors to put Measure A on the ballot. Yeah. That would uh, basically give the Board of Supervisors, yeah. which are five people, uh, the ability to remove the sheriff for cause. It has to be a 5-1 vote. I mean, a 4-1 vote vote, because it's five people. It can't just be for any reason or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to to us, that's we can't wait for recalls. Again, inequity, right? Poor people can't really afford recalls. Only the rich people can really do recalls. That's Mm -hmm. why most of the recalls you see are from rich people who can do recalls, right? Um, uh, It costs a lot to be able to to do a recall and and to to certify Mm -hmm. the recall. So we wanted another mechanism of accountability. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's let's bring that back and and tie together how like ballot measure A mm-hmm. impacts the homeless community. Yeah, well, definitely measure A uh, will impact the community because oftentimes Skid Row is a containment zone, mm-hmm. right? Actually, there's more restroom. The United Nations came to Skid Row two times prior to the pandemic, right? Two years prior to the pandemic. And says Skid Row has less restroom access than a Syrian refugee camp. Hmm. The other thing is Skid Row has more police than most nations. Hmm. Yeah. Right? And so, <laughs> so uh, 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 50 square blocks of a containment zone, right? And so the relationship between police, right? Even though the sheriff does not patrol Skid Row and that's the LAPD but jurisdictions like Compton and different places like that and they work together right yeah yeah. Uh, so it affects it uh, when it comes to the numbers right right because LAPD gets 3.5 billion dollars a year Uh, the LA Sheriff Department gets 3.5 to 3.7 billion dollars a year Um, almost 50 percent of our unrestricted budget Mm-hmm. Goes to law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, to the to the LAPD. That's yeah. not even the um, the sheriff department. Mm-hmm. So it takes away resources, right? right? So we're trying to go downstream to continue to 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 block the water we don't want to spill out, but the stream keeps coming because from up top, yeah, right. And so unless we address uh, poverty, unless we address systemic racism, unless we address uh, the, 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 the poverty wages, unless we address all of those things mm-hmm. upstream, you're always going to feel like you need more law enforcement. Right. Another 
another thing about law enforcement, another thing about that is that the sheriff is directly related to mass incarceration because they patrol the jails, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so they don't have an incentive to keep the jails open. And the reason we have mass incarceration and the reason why 30% of the, in California, where 8% of the population and 30% of the prison population, again, is systemic, right? right. When you have so many people who uh, went to jail for, um, for selling marijuana, right? Now you have dispensaries, but for selling marijuana and placed in prison, by the way, mm -hmm. nonviolent people placed in prison with violent people. Mm -hmm. What do you think is going to happen? You created a prison culture, and now um, when we pass Prop, uh, 40, Prop 47 in order to begin to release people out of, out of jail, now um, the deed is done. Yeah, the damage is already done. The damage is already done. So now you're, you're always going to win the rhetoric battle because now you can say, well, it's more crime, it's more crime, it's more crime. But the greatest crime, the, the primary predator is always the ones who are making the policy to continue uh, to allow these things to continue to persist. Yeah. yeah. So accountability is an important part of that. Right? Absolutely. Uh, because, I mean, not only for the times which, you know, the sheriff's department or any other, you know, police unit um, is not upholding the ethical standards, um, that they that they are sworn to, right. and we know you know human beings are failed people. That's right. All and, of us. And All of us. and while there are good cops, there are bad ones too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 that has because there's power involved, mm -hmm. um, the ramifications of those actions are mm -hmm. significant to the system. Yeah. Um, I say yeah. I say there there are people who want to be good cops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. there's a systemic issue going yeah. on, yeah. right? And so uh, people who may want to be good cops may not say anything because yeah. of the power dynamics. Right. Right. Yeah. So you've got all of those things in play. Yeah. So so that's one. You know, we're this is we're just giving examples and t talking mm -hmm. about how um, caring about justice actually involves us thinking critically about how we even how we vote, mm -hmm. right? And how we um, use the power that we're given in this mm -hmm. democratic society mm -hmm. to use our voice at the mm -hmm. ballot box. Um, this, is, uh, this has been a, a really good conversation mm -hmm. um, for us, and I think that's been really helpful to think about both sides of this conversation, which is the systemic, mm -hmm. the justice side of things, mm -hmm. um, addressing the systemic things, which I know for a lot of us, it feels like, boy, Engaging that is such a big thing, mm -hmm. um, and it feels it can feel overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, before we wrap that up, I mean, what? Maybe I'm. I mean, maybe I'm putting you on the spot. But would you have a word for those of us that feel overwhelmed by yeah. the problem? Well, I think um, you are in great company if you're overwhelmed. Um, I'm overwhelmed all the time. Hmm. Right, um, but I don't think it is. Uh, I don't think it's an indication that we need to retreat. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would like to add, I think, would be helpful, is to just um, partner with organizations that are underground doing mm -hmm. the work. Yeah. And just sometimes you may not have to do anything to begin with. Just mm -hmm. learn. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because 
uh, engaging in public policy is a discipline, right? Right. Um, and it's uh, it's something that uh, you know people get degrees mm -hmm. <laughs> in public policy, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I tell people, you know, the Holy Spirit has taught me a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, because of the calling that God has put on my life. It's, it's just slightly different. It's not better than anybody else's calling. It's just different, yeah. right? And we all have a different calling. And so we all have to be equipped by the Spirit of God mm -hmm. for that calling. But I think, um, don't fret. Um, we, all, we are all overwhelmed. Um, uh, I tell people, take care of yourself, right? Uh, but also uh, try to take care of others. And, and it's like riding on a plane, right? Mm -hmm. Flying on a plane. They tell you the oxygen, go off, put the oxygen mask on yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, first, make sure you're healthy so that you can mm -hmm. help someone else. Yeah. And that's why you want to be healthy, so you can help someone else. Yeah. As for, for some of us, this is maybe a word just, you know, as a pastor, for those of you that are part of our church, listening in, um, it takes little steps, yeah, right? Absolutely. Uh, baby steps. If we're mm -hmm. out of practice, I mean, the pandemic has done a number of, on all of us. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have kind of our service muscles or mm -hmm. our engagement muscles have been weakened mm -hmm. because we've just been sitting back trying to take, you know, protect mm -hmm. ourselves. And, um, and as a church, if you're watching or you're listening to the podcast on the week that's released, um, we'll have an opportunity as a church to do some learning and to yeah. do some things about engagement and yeah. um, caring about some of the mercy issues yeah. related to the homeless population. But we're partnering with Pastor Q um, and the row um, mm. for some activities there. So we encourage you guys to be a part of that. But if you're watching later and you're listening in later, uh, there's always opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the row church is always um, yeah. a place where people yeah. can connect, our yeah. small groups can connect, people can go in and yeah. serve. Yeah, you can get in as deep as you want. Um, and as light as you want, yeah. right? Uh, one of the reasons we are the church without walls is because we, we need to be in it. We feel like we, God wants us to be in every aspect of our community, mm -hmm. all of it, right? So even this week, right, um, um, I've been on the news the whole week, right, um, because of the scandal at City Hall, right, right um, with our council people mm -hmm. at City Hall in downtown Los Angeles. So um, we... We got to hold folks accountable. We, if if we can, if Moses can tell Pharaoh, let my people go, mm -hmm. we can hold folks accountable. Yeah. Uh, and if Jesus can speak truth to power, yeah. we can speak truth to power as well. Uh, so uh, it is important for the people of God mm -hmm. uh, to be able to help set the moral camp, uh, the moral compass of our city. Yeah, there's a good word that says, that says, "Never tire of doing good." Yep. Um, sometimes we need to rest. We got to yeah. take care of ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it is a long road, a long yep. struggle, yep. maybe a lifelong one that That's we're going right. to be in and maybe beyond our lifetime. Absolutely. But this is what we're called to as Christians. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Q, for taking some time to Thanks chat. Um, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you and even getting to know you a little bit. Yeah. Um, church, let's think about what it means to exercise our muscles, to care about compassion, mercy, and justice in our city. Um, Indeed. Yeah. What love. All right. All right. See you guys later. Okay. All right, Ricky, we done. <laughs>